0: It's time for your local weekly analysis. Slow County Public Policy and the Law with your host, Stu Jenkins. The union forever,
1: hurrah boys,
0: hurrah. Down with the trailer. up with the star. While we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting, Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews 985. My wife says I should have had a shorter title for this show. The station is going to be rebroadcasting it on Sundays as well as on Saturdays, so it'll be broadcast and live-streamed, if you're on the Internet, from 10 a.m. to noon on Saturday morning and from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, you will hear from officeholders, lawyers, and activists shaping your world. As a lawyer, I help protect families and their real estate and their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases, and it has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances and to enforce the voters' decision to ban cannabis billboards on Highway 101. I've been honored to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. This week's show is the best of. Last week, I spoke with Jim Sudi, president of the Friends of the Oceano Dunes. He addressed the latest legal victory of the Friends against the Coastal Commission and other efforts the Friends of the Oceano Dunes are taking to guarantee public access to Oceanos Beach and the Dunes Off-Highway Vehicle Recreation Park that was designated by the legislature in the 1970s. I also had the opportunity to talk with James Blattler, who is San Luis Obispo City's emergency manager. And he told us how the city and you can prepare for disasters. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interview at KNEWS, that's K-N-E-W-S, 985.com. Now, it is a great privilege to have a true American citizen hero. Citizen hero, I want to emphasize that. Kathy Stickle, who has spent the last 18 months rescuing abducted children from combat areas in Ukraine and Russia and working to support Ukraine's defense against the Russian invasion. Welcome to the show, Kathy.
1: Thank you, Stu. Thanks for inviting me.
0: You know, um, I have a feeling that we're going to be starting out with Hemingway (laughs) uh, here. And all the kids my age had to read Hemingway in high school.
1: That Uh, is actually where it started. Uh, I remember in junior high finding that book, and I loved the cover of it. What
0: what book was that?
1: It is uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, which is about the Spanish Civil War, and how folks from all over the world who didn't know anyone in Spain said, but wait, there's something larger being decided here, and it won't be decided without my input. And, you know, I always said, boy, oh, if I were alive in 1936, I'd have joined the Abraham Lincoln Brigades. I'd have gone to the Spanish Civil War. And the moment I heard on February 24th that the Russians had invaded Ukraine, I knew I was going. I knew I was going. I'd never been to Ukraine. I have. I lived in Russia for a year and a half decades ago, so I speak Russian. Um, I knew I was going, and three days later
0: I yeah well, Kathy, left. I, I heard from somebody that you were... Uh, you learned about this on the radio, that uh, Ukraine was being invaded as you were driving to take your bar exam.
1: <laughs> yes, I was at the bar exam, and we were on a break because of the time difference. And I uh, looked at it, and there it was. They were invading, and I knew it was real, and I knew they would again try to wipe out all the Ukrainians.
0: I take it you didn't pass the bar exam I time.
1: did not. I have passed New York, but I didn't pass this way. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: This one being a California version. California,
1: yes, yes. Now,
0: where are you from originally?
1: I'm from Orange County, California. Um, No
0: one's from Orange County. They're from a town. I'm from Huntington
1: Beach. Huntington
0: Beach, a great town. At least it used to be.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you uh, grew up in in Orange County?
1: I did, yes. My my parents are Californians. Uh, I did grow up in Orange County with perfectly normal parents, but I was adopted.
0: And where were you educated?
1: I was uh, went to the public schools, and then I went to the community schools, Long Beach City College, and then UCLA. But a, a lot has to do with just your DNA. My, my family is the calmest, kindest people. Now, when you say
0: you were could. adopted, you're, are you... Were you adopted from Ukraine or no, from over I was, there? No, I was adopted
1: yeah. from Orange County. and okay. never really thought of meeting my birth family. I have met them in the past several years, and now we're all wonderful friends. But we would have known I was adopted from the start just because my siblings are tall and quiet and they never go anywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're loud and you talk fast. Yeah, Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: The day the Heron family adopted a duckling. <laughs> that's what the book should be.
0: <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, now, um, what did you end up doing for employment before you decided to become a lawyer?
1: Well, see. I've done finance in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in the national parks. I decided I wanted to have a life of short stories, not a novel, and tried different things as I moved around. I came back to California to take care of my folks when my dad, uh, you know, became disabled, taking turns with my siblings. That brought me back to California. He passed in the fall of 2020, and I knew I was, you know, it was time for a life reboot.
0: Okay. And I did notice I was reading uh, The Stars and Stripes, and uh, they had an article about you, and uh, they mentioned that you were a former uh, Army Reservist. Yes. How'd you get that?
1: uh, You you transitioned
0: (laughs) from being in finance to Army Reserve? No,
1: I was to the Army Reserve first. I'd always wanted to. Mm -hmm. The Army didn't make me a soldier. Some people are just born that way. I literally marched the other kids to kindergarten and back and made them do Mm -hmm. calisthenics at recess. Yeah, when I went to UCLA, I I went to the Army Reservist reserve first, saying I wanted it for the college money, but I really just wanted to be a soldier. So uh, mine was the reverse. Most people say okay. I want to be a soldier. <laughs> I loved it. And
0: and you got an education, too. I did, yes. And was that what sent you to law school? or
1: No, I just wanted the power to leverage good things that I saw needed help.
0: Well, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Now, this is your host, Stu Jenkins. We're talking with Kathy Stickle. And uh, she's been rescuing children who were abducted in uh, Ukraine and doing some other things that uh, support the Ukrainian independence efforts. And I think this is a good time to pause and because she got her law degree. She passed the bar in New York. She was taking the bar here in California. Uh, the reason that lawyers are called Esquire is a story that I think most people don't understand. It's because the, um, when, when the French took over England, 1066, uh, of course all the knights got the land. And uh, they were the only ones who could come to court and talk to the king or to the local lord because the king made it illegal to speak English and so they had to speak french and so it was the knight, the esquire who would stand at the turn being an attorney to testify and tell the story for their english serfs and retainers and that's how lawyers became lawyers in the american and english system and so here we have a, a good example of someone who was uh, a lawyer who heard that Ukraine was being invaded. And what did you do, Kathy?
1: I threw on a backpack and picked the, the nearest airport to Ukraine that I thought would stay open. Because the first week of the war, we didn't know if Moldova would jump in, if Belarus would jump right in. So I figured Romania will hold out uh, for a bit. So I flew into Bucharest, just threw on a backpack, and flew in and landed and knew that my people would be there. I also had gone to the uh, the Kosovar war I showed up for that one um, but you know that your own your own tribe, honestly the Knights of humanity would be there mm-hmm. and I helped I helped move them along with too you,
0: you didn't know who you were going to meet you no, just knew that no. you would meet. <laughs> The right folks there.
1: Yeah, we do. It's it's amazing uh, how mm-hmm. quick these networks come together, whether it's for supplying the troops or getting to the war or medical.
0: And what had you done in the Army Reserves?
1: Well, just blew things up. <laughs> so, yes, I did show up to the war with the International Legion application in my pocket. Not sure, am I going to be a soldier Am I going to be a civilian volunteer? Am I going to help in the hospitals? Everybody just shows up.
0: And where did you fly into?
1: Bucharest, Romania.
0: And then from there, where did you
1: go? Um, I meant to go straight to Odessa, but they, everything was closed down by the Russians by the end of the first week of the mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. So I went around to Poland, and someone saw a Facebook post who I hadn't talked to in 30 years. And they said, hey, jump in our car. We're going to Ukraine tomorrow. So I did and we went and picked up some women and children from the middle of the country and I'll tell you what there's you think you know how some things are going to feel but when you are standing in some man's driveway and he's kissing his kids goodbye and putting them in your car and all he can say is thank you Uh, you know. And he knows that everyone who left a hundred years before, when the Russian Revolution happened after the First World War, everyone who ran over the borders just like this to get out to get the women and kids out of the way, they never saw their family members again because the Iron Curtain came down. Came down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've got everything he cares about in the world, and you're just some knucklehead from California
0: driving them to Poland.
1: To where, yes. Someplace. Yeah, no, we go out to Poland. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, what is their future? Where will they be? What will they, nobody knows, and we just figure it out as we go along.
0: Well, I I also read an article that uh, you didn't just take women and children out of Ukraine, that uh, when you would come back, you'd be ferrying in. Drones. Uh,
1: Yes, it started with with, uh, food for the villages and things like that. A woman who I didn't like and still don't get along with, but who sees things the way I do, said, Hey, Kath, I'll give you $15,000 on the first of every month for six months. Go make the right thing happen. (laughs) That's it. So so I would go to, like, the Costco in Poland, load up this van that she bought and gave me. Mm Mm-hmm and drive it into Ukraine, drive it out to the villages, because I figured people in the big cities have resources they can pull. We're going to be the people who pulls people off those back roads in the villages and gets the food out to the shut-ins to the old folks. And that's what I did. And then we moved out as many people as we could. And then you come to a point where you say the best way to, to keep Ukrainians safe is to make it harder for the Russians to kill them. And so I started helping the troops with things like getting thermal scopes and drones, and we just buy them in Poland and drive them in, and you get a network of soldiers that you know, and we, we put them in their hands. So the, the countries are doing what the countries do. They're deciding fates of nations and borders, but as individual people and little teams of groups, we are shifting the fate of the individuals and the small groups that we get to know.
0: You're making sure they have the supplies and the yeah. armament that they can use to survive.
1: Right, that this soldier will have socks, that these soldiers will have first aid kits because theirs got blown up last night. It would take a country a while to move that up. I've been in the Army. <laughs> to move that up the chain and back down the chain. Uh-huh. We just move it in hours and hand it.
0: Well, folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and I'm having a wonderful conversation with Kathy Stickle, who has spent the last 18 months in Ukraine rescuing ab- abducted children and uh, supporting the war effort of Ukraine to protect its independence. Um, Kathy, when you, um, I, I think the, the things you did. Uh, rescuing abducted children are just amazing. It was an amazing you, experience. <laughs> can, um, I, 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 I saw an interview, actually, of you uh, and of a woman who ran an orphanage, mm-hmm. where the children, the orphanage children, were all abducted by Russian soldiers and taken to Russia.
1: Yes, Natalia had a hundred children at the state residential school. When the Russian invasion in the south was successful more quickly than anyone could have imagined, the whole corner down in Kherson fell in seven days. Wow. And everyone was watching Kyiv, and there was a checklist where they were calling and saying, has that orphanage or state school been evacuated? Has that one been evacuated? And they, someone put in a yes from Nova Petrievka. The problem is there's three Nova Petrievka's right down there where three counties meet. So this woman had Three, a,
0: three towns with the same name. Yes. That can be confusing.
1: Yes, I headed for the wrong one. Um... And this woman, she sent emails out as soon as the Russians invaded, saying, everybody, come get your child or send someone to get your child, a cousin, a friend, anyone, because they're getting close. And 85 children escaped.
0: There was even an American who just adopted one of those children.
1: That's how we found out. Uh, if you're asking, Kev, how do you show up for a war and how do you know what to do? I had been asked to help some legionnaires who were trapped in the east, and, and we were able to get them out. And I was in a hotel lobby checking them into a hotel. So, How,
0: how did you learn they needed rescuing?
1: Because a guy sent me a Facebook messenger message that said... Hey, you don't know me, but my sister-in-law says you're amazing. You were her babysitter 35 years ago. Some guy, she, said you're, <laughs> she said you're in Ukraine. I know some eight guys who are trapped and they need help. Do you know anybody because the structures in place are not going to be able to get them? Wow. We did get them. It was amazing. But as I was in this lobby checking these boys in with their various injuries, um, some...
0: How did you go get them?
1: Well, I, I actually, with our little phones... I, I was in I was in Krakow and I yelled to some people and I said, Everybody we need eight men picked up in in Lysishansk who can go? And a a friend I'd never met in Kiev said, I can go, but it'll take 12 hours. We're gearing up right now, but keep looking for someone closer. Someone in Dnipro said, we'll go. It's going to take us seven hours. Keep trying to find someone closer, but we're going. And we got it down to... This was
0: all on your phone.
1: Yes. We got it down to a group that was an hour and a half away and had friends in the local Ukrainian group. So they even got air support to watch them go in to get these fellas. Wow. Yeah. And they're, you know, a French, two Frenchmen and a Canadian and some Americans we got him out of there but as I'm checking them into this hotel I'll be thinking that was the big deal you know that's the big thing of my life some really irritating lady kept trying to strike up a conversation with me and telling me the universe you need to listen to the universe and she was batty and so finally
0: the, it was the the phones were <laughs> yes. how you got word about this uh, yes this orphanage
1: I'd never met the fellow who asked me for help I never met any of the the people who were talking to me, who were my friends of a couple months who I'd never met, but we talk every day on our phones to get things done. And I'd never met, obviously, the fellows who were out there in the East. Mm -hmm. But as I was trying to get rid of this obnoxious lady in the lobby, she said, you need to listen to the universe. And I just had it. And I said, well, right now, the universe is telling me I don't have time for this conversation because I got eight guys out of a hole in the ground. I stomped off. When I came back that evening... A man in the lobby came up to me and said, "Uh, did I hear you say that you get people out of dangerous places? And I said, well, apparently I do now. He said, can I just see you over here? And he said, okay, there's there's 15 orphans and they're trapped in an orphanage and we need someone to go get them. And no one will go get them because it's too close to the front lines. And I said, how close? And he said, like three kilometers. I was like, three kilometers. We're feeling pretty brave at this moment. And I was in Kiev at this time. Mm Mm-hmm. Three kilometers, let's go So I get me and my two buddies We borrow a van, we head for it And then we realize it's the wrong Nova Petrivka. And they are behind the Russian lines They are in Russian occupation And I have two men, an American and a New Zealander Who are obviously military (laughs) So we had to stop And we had to sort out that rescue I got the phone number of Natalia The woman at the orphanage Who was stuck with those 15 children Nobody's coming to get them
0: well, yeah. ultimately, the Russians took those 15 children.
1: They did, yes. We were talking, we were communicating and helping and having people check on her from above, literally from trees, from rooftops, um, for a couple months. And then in August, the children were moved by the Russians east as the Russians fell back because our plan was we can't run in and shoot all the Russians or rescue the kids because it's too dangerous for the kids. The children were not being raped. They were not being beaten, and we knew it. So we couldn't justify risking them. So we had to just wait and send in stuff. Uh, and then the Russians did move them further back east. A month and a half later, they moved them further back east and not to further in Ukraine, not in Crimea. They moved them to actual Russia, to to Krasnodar, Russia. Uh, but when you're tied in, when you've heard that voice of a woman who's standing there with 15 kids and and nobody can come to get her and you think you know all these all of our masculine ways of solving problems blow things up and shoot it hasn't worked let's try something totally different
0: so what'd you try
1: let's try you know middle-aged uh, <laughs> overweight american females <laughs> oh.
0: uh, for our radio listening off it- Listeners, uh, there's nothing overweight about this. Well, well I, don't, anyway. I, I,
1: don't, I don't alert people. You know, when people see me on the street, they're not going to be thinking, here comes.
0: This is radio after all.
1: Yes, here comes Rambo, was going to save everybody. You know, we did it with communicating with people who were in Russia. There are some good Russians who, who helped us move information. And if they did it so that when there is a war crimes tribunal, they can say, I was one of the good people, that's fine. I'll testify mm-hmm. for them. But we were able to move information back inside, and, but we had to combine about eight different groups of people.
0: And because you speak Russian, yes. you were able to communicate with them. Yes. And, and um, y- you know, the program I saw uh, where they were interviewing, you said uh, you couldn't say how you got them out. Right. Because you might have to do it Absolutely. again.
1: Absolutely. There's the, that but, transit camp in Krasnodar, but it still has kids where in it. did
0: you get the kids to?
1: Ah, we ran for the closest border, which was uh, Tbilisi, Georgia. And I thought, well, well, we'll drive them or fly them out to Poland did or Romania. Did you go into Russia and
0: pick them up? And no, bring them because out?
1: my passport uh-huh. would have alerted the whole system, an American passport sure. crossing. Okay. We did have a group ready if our magic trick did not work. Um, so
0: somebody drove them drove them out of Russia into yes. into Georgia for you.
1: Yes, but we did have a, our third group of killers ready to go in and actually shoot them up and grab the kids if our last ditch didn't work because we were two days from and, them going east in in Russia.
0: Oh my! And for our listeners, this is Georgia, which is uh, yes. on a uh, little the little country yes. in the Caucasus on the Black Sea, not Georgia where um, where indictments occurred this week. yes yes but anyway um,
1: the Georgians were wonderful we met the Georgian president because they they also have been occupied by Russia before Mm -hmm. and 20 percent of the country Mm -hmm. is now the Georgians were wonderful and we decided to to keep the kids there they can't go home yet because their whole neighborhood is mined like crazy and the rockets are still coming now
0: were you able to get other children out
1: I did not because I ended up living with those kids for four and a half months in Tbilisi, Georgia. No one would rent a house to a lady with fifteen kids who's Ukrainian and had, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But there are groups now. But they'd rent to an
0: American who had fifteen kids.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, It's nice to have the company card.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and there are now there are groups who are getting kids out about every week and a half. Uh And same thing. We don't talk about how we do it. If you do, you do it face to face. Um, it's still working.
0: You've had a special connection to Odessa, but we're going to talk about that on the other side because we're coming up on a news break. Folks, stay tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We'll talk to you with Kathy Stickle about Ukraine right after this break.